0: Hello and welcome to Bite-Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I'm Nick, your host. Today, we're going to be continuing our mini-series on the basics of the Second World War. I wanted to give just kind of like a quick flyover kind of review of the basic events that happened for people that maybe don't know um, the crucial elements of this greatest of all human conflicts so today on bite Size history it's the second world war the basics part two last episode we left off with the fall of poland and poland was a crucial I want to say ignition point for the second world war Um, this country had been created in the aftermath of world war one and hitler just hated it he hated the fact that poland had taken uh, prussian territory which had been part of the german empire during world war one and he desired to take control of their coal mines especially coal was a major source of energy uh, much more important back then than it is now Um, The thing I wanted to mention about Poland, and I I believe I mentioned it in the previous episode, was the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, named after the foreign ministers of Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union. Uh, Vyacheslav Molotov and Ribbentrop signed this pact where they would split Poland between them. And the invasion happened, started September 1st, 1939, like we said. Britain and uh, France declared war two days later and mobilized their army. Now, this was kind of a red line for Britain and France, the Allies in the West. They had hoped that Poland would last for three to four months, and that would give enough time for the Allies to intervene. But unfortunately, Poland fell in three weeks. And this was because the German army had a new kind of warfare called Blitzkrieg. Blitzkrieg. And that's German for Lightning War where they would use a combination of armoured formations, panzer grenadiers, close air support aircraft like dive bombers, like the Junkers 87 and Stuka, to completely confuse and annihilate formations by punching through strong points called Schwerpunkt. Schwer is uh, German for heavy and Punkt is German for point. German doctrine emphasized the use of these elements like tanks, planes and motorized infantry. Uh, to also get around and behind enemy formations to cut them off, cut off communications, cut off reinforcements, cut off supplies. And because it was something that nobody had ever seen before, you know, keep in mind, things like dive bombers and tanks were relatively new technology, and Hitler had had the chance to practice using these new technologies in the Spanish Civil War, which had occurred in the mid-30s. Uh, there was a fascist dictator in Spain called Francisco Franco, tried to take power and he eventually did successfully. Um, his side were called the nationalists or the fascists and, and they got support from uh, fascist Italy and fascist Germany, whereas the other side, the Republicans or the you know the socialists or communists, they had money and weapons um, and trainers funneled in from the Soviet Union. So that was kind of like a dress rehearsal for World War II. Uh, it is uh, the Spanish Civil War is often called what's uh, what historians refer to as a proxy war. A proxy war is when you have like one or two countries intervening in a third country, supporting different sides. So it's almost like you're fighting your true enemy using another nation to do the actual combat. In any case, that was the Spanish Civil War. Okay, but enough background. Let's get back on track with the main story here. So, after Poland fell, there was a period of a few months over the fall and winter of 1939 to 1940 where journalists and politicians jokingly referred to it as the Sitzkrieg, from the German word Sitzen, to sit. Um, and this was, there was a US politician, in fact, who called it the Phony War. Uh, because nothing really happened. Um, Old warfare... I mean, World War II was relatively modern, but uh, fighting tended not to happen in the winter just because of the immense human difficulty of keeping people supplied um, and fighting in winter conditions and the logistical complications. Now, you know, right around this time, Finland was actually uh, engaged in conflict with uh, Soviet Russia. It was called the Winter War. But nothing really happened between Nazi Germany and the two countries that had declared war, uh, which was to say the United Kingdom and France. But this all changed in May of 1940. So the next year, in the spring, uh, Hitler mobilized the Wehrmacht to just completely, completely overrun Western Europe. They invaded uh, Denmark, Norway, Netherlands, Belgium. Uh, Luxembourg fell and critically they invaded France. So what happened with France? I'm gonna actually do another episode coming up on the fall of France because this is something that people love to talk about and unfortunately it's a recurring joke, especially with British and Americans about how the French love to surrender and the French are good at surrendering and blah, blah 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 Uh, I actually don't agree with that. I think that the fall of France has a very um, kind of nuanced explanation, and the French were in a much, much more difficult position than I think people give them credit for. And, you know, overall, France has a very successful military history. Especially when you look at things like Napoleon and whatever, like, this guy was so successful, there was an entire age of human history, the Napoleonic era, that was named after him. But anyway, I digress. Uh, France did only last a few weeks. Okay, so by June, uh, according to AmericanYacht.com, uh by June, Hitler was posing for photographs in front of the Eiffel Tower. Germany split France in half and Germany occupied and governed the North and the South would be ruled under a puppet government in Vichy, Vichy France. That's what the country was called, Vichy France. So the northern part became part of the, the German Empire or the, the, the Nazi state or Nazi occupied territory or whatever. But they, at this point, the Germans didn't actually occupy the entire country. Uh, there was a puppet regime in Vichy. So what do we mean when we say puppet regime? Puppet regime means when you set up a government that's made up by the people who come from that land, but they don't really have any power. They take all of their orders from some kind of imperial state. So, you know, Vichy France, you had this guy, Marshal Pétain. And Pétain was, uh, was a big deal in World War I, actually. He was the hero of Verdun. Uh, which you may remember from previous episodes where I talked about the First World War. But he essentially collaborated with the Germans and he had a whole bunch of his buddies that collaborated with the Germans. um, And they set up this kind of French government that claimed to represent France, but was really taking orders from Nazi Germany and it was called Vichy France. Now, after this, so now we're talking about the mid-summer of 1940. So keep that in your mind, like, you know, mid-summer of 1940. Hitler turned to Britain. Um, Now, he had had a plan for the invasion of the British Isles called Operation Sea Lion. Operation Sea Lion. But the only problem with Operation Sea Lion is because the United Kingdom is an island, you have to get thousands of transports to transport all of the German uh, armed forces across A body of water that's called the English Channel which is in between England and France. Now these transports are going to be transporting men, weapons, material, uh, medical supplies, armored vehicles, whatever. So you need to get control of the sea before you can actually invade on land. But it gets even more complicated than that because before you can launch what's called an amphibious attack or an amphibious invasion you need to get air superiority, so that's what uh, pretty much started what's called the Battle of Britain. So from June to October, the German Luftwaffe, so Luftwaffe again is German, Luft means like lift or air, and Waffe, it comes from Waffen, it means like weapons or armed. So the Luftwaffe means like the air force, like like literally it means like the, the air weapon or something anyway, they fought the Royal Air Force uh, for control of the airspace over the English Channel and the British Isles. Now the British actually had fewer planes but they ended up winning the Battle of Britain through a combination of civilian observers, they had a radar network, they had people trying to crack the German code, Uh, they had observation posts all along the coasts so they could see. Not to mention, you know, they're fighting on their home turf, right? So like If you're in a Spitfire or a Hurricane, and those refer to the most famous uh, planes of the Battle of Britain um, on the side of the British, so you had the Hawker Hurricane and the Supermarine Spitfire. When you have these planes, they can take off and they can land in local airfields, and you can refuel, you can repair, you can rest, and then you can be up in the air in just a matter of hours, whereas German uh, pilots had to fly all the way back to occupied Europe. So Britain ended up winning the Battle of Britain by successfully repelling all of these aerial attacks over their country. Now, keep in mind, again, this is the summer of 1940. And Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, after this, he declared, Never before in the field of human conflict has so much been owed by so many to so few. So (laughs) that's my very bad Winston Churchill impression. I hope you enjoyed it. (laughs) So that is the end of the Battle of Britain. Now, Hitler got really frustrated with this uh, and his chief of the Air Force, Hermann Göring, who was also kind of a war hero from the First World War. He was also super frustrated. So they changed their approach. And we're going to talk about how they changed their approach coming up next. After a while, it became clear to the Nazi authorities that they weren't going to win um, the fighter war over Britain, uh, over England, southern England especially. So they switched their tactics. Rather than trying to destroy the Royal Air Force and destroy Royal Air Force facilities, they switched from military to civilian targets. Now, historians to this day still debate whether this was the right thing to do and in fact if they had persisted I've I've heard this and I've seen this in more than one place where it's like no by the time the Germans switched their objectives they didn't know this but they were actually very very close to crushing the Royal Air Force and establishing air superiority but they didn't know this like they were a few days or a few weeks away from actually achieving that objective but They wanted to crush the British will to fight. This was an idea from Goering and and Hitler and stuff like that. So starting in September 1940 to the following May of 1941, there was just these huge bombing raids on British cities. And again, the target was not military, it was civilian. It was just meant to destroy as much property and kill as many people as possible to undermine the British will to fight. The British are pretty stoic people, and and, you know, like the the whole stereotype of the stiff upper lip. And there's all sorts of pictures and stories and anecdotes about, you know, ordinary British people just kind of like continuing with life uh, during the Blitz. You know, like the bombing would stop and everything was destroyed, and then the shopkeeper would like open his door and say, you know, open for business. Like it was just that's just how they weathered the storm. Not to mention, they they had a, a pretty formidable leader in Winston Churchill. Like, this guy knew how to rally the people. And um, you know what? There's actually a really, really great movie about this called Darkest Hour. Uh, with Gary Oldman, uh, who completely transforms himself into Winston Churchill. You might recognize Gary Oldman as the bad guy from Air Force One. Or he plays uh, Commissioner Gordon in the Batman-Christopher Nolan trilogy. But in any case, this bombing was so intense that... Every single night from September to May, the cities of London, Liverpool, and Manchester were bombed. Every single night from September to May, uh, children were sent into the countryside to live with strangers. People took shelter in the um, like the subway tunnels. Like there's famous stories of people taking shelter in the the London Tube, which is what they call the subway over there. And every morning they would come out and they you know they put out fires and move stones and rescue missing people and bury the dead and and stuff like that but critically the blitz ended finally in june 1941 at this point hitler was uh, you know the uh the governments the the nazi government was certain that britain was not finished but at least they had knocked them out of the fight long enough to focus on their next objective which we're going to talk about in the next episode Uh, And their next objective was the colossal, colossal invasion of the Soviet Union by Axis forces in June of 1941. So that's a little bit of a teaser for you. So it's a little bit of a cliffhanger. So we're going to talk about that next time. Uh, Today, I just wanted to kind of end it at uh, the Blitz. So... Boy, this series is taking longer than I expected, but uh, that's going to do it for us here today on Bite Size History. Uh, I've taken the story from the fall of Poland to the Blitz, uh, the German bombing of the United Kingdom. And I wanted to tease a little bit before tackling the invasion of the Soviet Union. Now, keep in mind, there's all sorts of other stuff that I'm going to try to mention in the coming episodes as well. Like, you know, in 1941, you had an invasion of the Balkans. uh, Italy was doing things in North Africa and the Balkans as well, and so like there's all sorts of other stuff happening. There was um, this vicious U-boat war that was going on in the Atlantic, uh, where Britain was almost strangled by by these german submarines that were sinking all of the ships carrying supplies to britain and when you you know when you consider the fact that that was happening at the same time as their cities getting bombed like it was a really rough time again they talk about this in the movie darkest hour and in fact that's why it's called darkest hour because it was just such a hard time for the british people but in any case i gotta stop talking i'm gonna draw the line right there uh i hope you enjoyed it this has been Bite-Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I was Nick, your host. Listener mail can be sent to bite podcast at gmail.com. And if you can, leave a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. And once again, thank you so, so much for listening. Goodbye.